It's time for the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email backtothebookbroadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Walland, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org. And now the broadcast. Please take your Bibles, if you would, turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8. And uh, we'll go ahead and read our text that we used or used as a jumping point yesterday. Um, John, chapter 8, and verse 25. It says, Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted the Son of Man, lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, For I do always those things that please Him. That's where our thought is coming from. We're continuing our thought this week. And this is the question we've asked. Are you all about Him? Now, we are still working, giving you some context, because there's some background information that is very critical to understanding this before we move on any farther. So, yesterday we started to deal with that they are in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus had been walking in Galilee because the Jews had wanted to kill him, but now he secretly comes up to Jerusalem, begins to teach, and then he makes a very, very big claim during all this time. Now, he's in the temple. We we know, and I'll, I'll share with you in just a moment, some things. There are a lot of ceremonies that are going on at this time. Verse number 37 is very important. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now I want to share with you some notes that I have from another Bible teacher, uh, Dr. John Yates, out of, I believe, Monroe, Louisiana. They, Louisiana. They do some things, uh, or a satellite school called Faith Bible Institute. If any of you have ever taken that, or would be interested in something, it's a great way to go through the Bible and just give you a good overview of the whole Word of God, how it fits together. But one of the things he shared was this, and I had never seen this until this point. And if I could get these notes together right, I will begin to share them with you. Um, we see that, as I've already said, there, there's this, we're in the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the celebration that We are dealing with right here, in the last day, there were some celebrations that would go on. There would be probably, as according to his notes, hundreds of thousands of worshipers at this feast at this time, especially at this last day. And basically what would happen, they would divide into three groups. One group would remain at the temple while preparations were being made for the morning sacrifice. One would go 
to matzah in the Kidron Valley and gather branches which would be used in the morning services. But the most important group, and this is the one I'm concerned with, would go to the Pool of Siloam and they would gather a basically a priest. This would be a big long procession. This priest would have this golden pitcher. He would come dip the pitcher in this pool. And there's a lot of scripture and stuff that they would quote while they would go here. One of the things they would quote is this verse right here from Isaiah 55 and 12. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. So it's said that they would kind of chant some of these things as this procession would go on. They would then return to the temple through the water gate. Basically as they came in, both groups that had went out away from the temple, they'd be coming in. I'm going to read some of his notes just because he puts it better than I think I can even put it together. The two processions re-entered the temple to three long trumpet blasts. At the exact moment, another priest was ready with the morning sacrifice. To the sound of the trumpet blast, the group with the willow branches drove them into the ground so as to form a leafy canopy over the brazen altar. The priest with the pitcher of water was joined in the court of the priest by another priest with a pitcher of wine, or the fruit of the vine, for the drink offering. They ascended the altar together, joining the priest, ready to make a burnt offering. As the people shouted, Raise thy hand, the priest, with the water and the wine, would pour both into long silver funnels, which led into the altar. This outpouring of water, universally understood by the Jews as symbolic of the prophesied outpouring of the Holy Spirit, was the central object of the entire day's ceremonies. Now this is very, very, very important. Immediately, the priest began to lead in the great Hillel, which consisted of Psalms 118, or I'm sorry, 113 to 118. These are called the Hillel Psalms, and they, or I believe it could also stand for Hallelujah, if I'm remembering correctly. And they would begin to sing these as all the sacrifices being carried out. To the music of an or orchestra of flutes, the 400-plus priests would chant each verse of these psalms. The people would repeat the first line of each psalm and shout, Hallelujah! Or we would say it now, today, Hallelujah! But they would be saying Hallelujah, which is also a name for God, to every other verse. In Psalms 118, they would repeat the first verse. And then, verse 25a, notice this, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. Then, verse 25b, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. And finally, the last verse, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. All of this would take place in a building crescendo of praise as the people shook their branches that they had gathered from that valley unto the Lord as they would chant these words, the priest then made a circuit of the altar seven times, singing again the words of Psalm 118, verse 25. This pictured the end of their wilderness wanderings with their victory at Jericho, symbolizing the ultimate victory of the Messiah over all Gentile kingdoms at, at the establishment of the Millennial Kingdom. Then Psalm 82 was then chanted together to trumpet blast, ending with, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit 
all nations. The people then shake the leaves off of the branches as the praise reaches its climax in an almost fevered pitch, and then the congregation falls upon their face before God in absolute silence. So what we see, part of what's going on here, they're celebrating, obviously, the wilderness wanderings, but one of the things, one of the desires in every person's heart there was for the Messiah to come now. They're pleading for salvation now. They're saying, save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now, posterity. They're very concerned, and it's almost an open invitation to God asking him to send the Messiah. But here is where these verses come into play. You see, they're in the temple. And at this very moment, after this crescendo of praise has built up, the people have shaken the the leaves off their branches, and they all fall prostrate on their face before God in absolute silence in a way of worship. It was at this point there was only one person left standing, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. When everybody else fell to the ground in worship, and everything gets totally silent, this is where Jesus makes his claim. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Here was an opportunity, an offering of the millennial kingdom. They could have accepted their Messiah right then and there. But what we see, one thing I want you to notice is this was a claim to his Messiahship. We'll see it goes even farther than that because it becomes a claim to be God as well. But when many people heard this, therefore, they looked at him and saying, of a truth, this is a prophet. Many begin to believe on him, as some of the passages told us already, and we've read it. I don't want to read it again for sake of time. But we see that Jesus has now offered himself as the Messiah. They have been asking, who is he? Where is he from? Trying to figure it all out. Now Jesus is beginning to tell them, I'm the Messiah. I'm the sent one. I've been sent from God. But the people aren't getting it. This day ends, the Pharisees are mad because of what he has said, those that were sent to arrest him, they couldn't arrest him, they're like, never a man spake as this man. And we begin in chapter 8, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and very early in the morning, this would be the eighth day of the feast, and there were some ceremonies with this as well, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he had heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. Or let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it 
being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, and saw none but the woman, he saith, er, said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go, and sin no more. We see the Pharisees bring this, uh, they try to take an opportunity and basically make a way where they can entrap Jesus in his words. They're trying to make him look bad in front of the people. It's a setup is what it is. If she truly was an adulterer, and it looks like she is from what Jesus said, their law did command her to be stoned. And if it was just a matter of that, the Jews would have stoned her and not even questioned the matter. But they were trying to trap Jesus in his words. I believe also around this time is when the, the Jews were had the right of the capital punishment taken away from them by the Roman government. So they might not have even been allowed to legally do this, and that may also play into it some. But what we see is them trying to set him up. Jesus doesn't fall for it. But I want you to notice what comes next after this. They're still in the temple. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Here's another very big claim to his Messiahship, but not just his Messiahship, to being God and being sent from God. The Jews are going to, we'll, we'll look at this tomorrow, they, the Pharisees resist that. They try to begin to call him out as a liar. He proves to them he's not. And I'll share with you some of the things going on at this point. One thing I want you to take away from, from today is that Jesus is not just the Messiah, he was God. Remember that. That's going to be very important as we go on through here. That'll be very critical to the lessons that we'll be applying at the end of the week. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email broadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Wallen, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org.